In his book, Lectures to My Students, Charles Spurgeon writes this, Above all things, beware of letting your tongue outrun your brains. Um, I can't argue with that. Not only is it Charles Spurgeon, but how much better does it get than that? Above all things, beware of letting your tongue outrun your brains. Um, This week, we're going to finish our look at the power of words. Um, I said last week that this is not our normal preaching practice. Pastor Joel returns to the pulpit next week, and, and he will continue with his sermon series on the book of Matthew. But this week, we are going to continue looking at the words we speak and their power. And it's important for us to recognize just how much the Bible does share about this subject whether it's about tongue or words or speech, it's clear that the power of our words does matter. The book of Proverbs alone mentions this over 150 times. Now, last week, we we talked a little bit about just how many words we use. And although this does vary from person to person, it varies from different situations we find ourselves in, it varies even from the day, but we all use words. We rely on their power, the power of these words daily. We, we look to, to uh, engage with the impact that our words have and the power that they wield, but, but often we wield this power without much thought. We spend very little time truly crafting our words, or even just paying attention to the power that they hold. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I began and ended our time last week with this quote from Warren Wearsby. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given us. With the tongue, man can praise God, pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. But with that same tongue, he can tell lies that could ruin a man's reputation or break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and accomplish tremendous tasks, and yet we take this ability for granted. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We're called to be wise in the way that we use this power. I mean, we use soft words to sing lullabies and to put children to sleep. We use electrifying words to stir up mobs. We use inspiring words to pull people in. We use encouraging words as we look to fan the flames inside them. Words have power. I mean, whether they're spoken or written, they are a force. Words are weapons, and we use them in our daily interactions with the other people that we have in our lives. How others react towards us depends greatly on the words that we even speak to them. Think a moment about echoes, right? We've, we've all been there where there's this moment where you look out over a, 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 
a space or you're in a in confined area and you hear the fact that there's this echo going on. And, and what's the first thing we shout out is echo, echo. Like, it's not very original, but that's what our go-to is, right? The novelty of an echo is that it continues after you're done speaking. Our words have this same power in the lives of those around us. They can live beyond us. They have the ability and the power to affect someone's life well after we have stopped speaking. And in some cases, this carries on through a lifetime. What we say, how we say it makes a difference. And this power, this power that we have in our words is something that we completely take for granted. This privilege that we have in our, with our words, we, we take far too lightly. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, whoever would, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. James chapter 1, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet... Do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. Or Colossians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Brothers and sisters, your words make a difference. And much like the lasting effect of an echo, they impact those around you. Now, we're going to talk about these impactive words, but they're not new to you. you. You've heard these kinds of words. Why are you so stupid? You're just ugly. Why can't you do anything right? Why are you like this? You're not smart enough to do that. Ugh, what's wrong with you? You are worthless. I don't want you. You don't matter. I hate you. Words that echo over and over and over long after they've been said. You're stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. You don't matter. You don't matter. Now recognize we are looking at how we speak to other people, how other people are speaking to us, but don't lose, don't lose this in it. Oftentimes we speak this way to ourselves too. This is, this is something that I struggle with greatly. Oh, how many times have I said to myself, oh, what's wrong with you? Over, over, and over. Recognize that these words have a lasting impact. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. One careless statement, one flippant phrase can break someone who is hurt and already fragile. One 
careless statement can cause question and doubt into someone who's growing. One flippant phrase can destroy hope and ruin joy. I don't know if you've ever had, I'm going to use the word privilege, of teaching someone how to drive. Um, it is a difficult task. And if you tell me about how much you enjoy it, I know you're not telling me the truth. Um, it is one of those moments that you quickly realize that you do not have control like you think you have control. Um, you drive your car and, and you sit and you steer and you move the pedals or you shift and you pay attention to what's going on. You never think twice about it until you're in that passenger seat and that child is driving and you realize you do not have the steering wheel and you do not have those pedals. And there's a moment, there's a moment where you panic. Some, some of us panic often in that, but, but there's a moment where you panic. And for me, there's, I, I can quickly think back to a moment where we were coming to an intersection and the brake was not being put on quick enough. And the intersection was coming closer, cars were moving, and we were still going at it. So I did like any other kind driving instructor would do. I yelled, stop. Okay, so not like stop. I mean, I went stop. Um, and this poor child next to me just began to cry. Now, when you're still hoping to stop in the intersection, them crying next to you is not what you want either. But I quickly realized that is not a great way to regain back any of that control. Kind slow, monotoned, unscary words are good. Like, stop, stop. You need to stop, stop. <laughs> Angry words, sharp words, aggressive words, they all have the power to force defenses up. Right? These angry words, these sharp words, they build up walls around us. Sarcasm, insults, accusations inevitably show their power to escalate conflict. I mean, we all feel attacked at some points, and when we feel attacked, what is our most typical response? We attack back. And we use our words that have power to attack. In our, in our culture today, this engagement with words, this attack and attack back mentality happens very little face to face. Why? Well, because we're cowards. But behind a keyboard, holding a phone in our hand, we suddenly become much more emboldened. Let me be clear, you could agree or disagree with me on this, but just know I'm right. Having a social media account does not make you an expert on anything. Having a social media account does not make your words more important than anyone else's. Having a social media account does not give you the right to bully, to intimidate, to gaslight, to manipulate, to lie, to push your agenda, or just be a jerk. The power of words is a privilege. 
One that the creator of the universe in his kindness gifted to us. God uses the power to create, to heal, to teach, to correct, and to shepherd. And we're using words to just argue with each other online. Brothers and sisters, when's the last time someone in an argument on Facebook said, Oh, you know what? I was wrong. I completely changed my mind by that rant you just posted. It doesn't happen. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Again, Charles Spurgeon, above all things, beware of letting your tongue outrun your brain. This power can be used in positive and encouraging ways, but it can also be so quickly used to destroy and to tear down and to just be used selfishly to move our agendas and to make ourselves just feel good. We're going to look at some of these negative ways. We spent all that time last week just looking at these positive ways that we're supposed to be using this power And today we're going to look at the negative things that we use this power for. And the first one is our tongue. Our tongue may be used for flattery. Now you may be thinking, well, flattery is a good thing. It's it's making people feel good. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17, food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouthful of gravel. Such a great image. You think that The food you're giving is sweet and all you get back is gravel. We all know someone who is like this, who is constantly telling people what they they want to hear. Maybe you're one of these people. You mistake being kind and positive with flattery and just buttering people up. You spend your time telling people what they want to hear and what you end up chewing is just rocks. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 28, 23, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain more favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Who in your life has gained favor from you because they talk to you in ways you need to hear? The world tells us to play this game. The world tells us that this is how we should be getting ahead, right? Flattery, schmoozing, brown nosing, right? Telling people what they want to hear. But the, the Bible tells us something very different. The Bible is telling us that this is not how we should be building relationships with people. We should be using truth in love. If you rebuke somebody in love, they will love you much more than if you just give them empty, meaningless flattery. I mean, I know that's hard. I mean, it's it's hard to receive rebuke, even in love. Many of us, many of us would rather have that meaningless flattery. I'd rather you tell me all day long how amazing I am. But that's not helping me. 
Have you ever heard of a bad news sandwich? It's when you have something really hard, really difficult to tell someone, and you package it in between two good things, right? A reverse Oreo, right? Bad thing, or good thing, good thing, bad thing. Unlike the Oreo where it's bad thing, good thing, bad thing, right? You're not eating the cookie part, I know. So you tell somebody something very positive, very flattering at the very beginning, you slide in your difficult part, and then you slide back out with just that flattery and praise, hoping that they don't notice. Don't, don't do that. Simply speak in love, seasoned with salt, but just truth. The tongue can also be used for fighting quarreling or bickering. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6, the lips of a fool bring strife and their mouth invites a beating. I love that verse. I wonder who comes to mind when you hear this verse. I, as a parent, I think of some children that live under my house. But let's face it, our world is full of fools. It's full of fools that have mouths that are inviting a beating. We see them on the news. We read them on Twitter. They're in our communities. They're even in our families. Proverbs 29.11, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wives bring calm in the end. Hmm. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. This is much different than how we normally see people react. Those in this room with, with more life experience than others would, would tell you this same thing I'm about to share. One of the best lessons that you can learn while you're younger that will make your life much easier is to learn to control your temper. So many of us have dealt with heartache or, or fractured relationships because we have lost our temper and spouted out when we should have been silent. Some of us have been on the receiving end of somebody else just spouting off and losing their temper. Fractures those relationships. There's an echo that happens from that. Now, we often say, Boy, that person, they just don't have a filter, right? They just, they just blurt out anything that comes into their mind. We just pass it off. A fool says that since I have it on the inside, I just, I just got to get it out. There are times where it is better for you to keep yourself under control, to pause, to give thought, for some, maybe it's taking a deep breath. Maybe you need to count to 10. Maybe you need to write it out and read it back to yourself. Maybe you need to do the good old write the email and delete it method. Maybe you just need to pray and seek wisdom from the Holy Spirit. But the words, the words we're looking for here 
is under control. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 speaks about how we make friends. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Have you ever been given the guilty by association speech? Um, I used to get it a lot by my mother when I was a kid. This idea that you were, if you're running around with the wrong type of friends, people would just lump you in with that group. Well, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 here is not speaking about guilty by association, but it is speaking about being wise in who you spend time with. Are you surrounding yourself with people who are easily angered? People who go from zero to seeing red quickly? Whether you like it or not, we are impacted by the people we spend time with. The rest of verse 25 says, Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. The more time that you spend with people who use the power of the words to quarrel, the power of the words to attack, then it will not take long for you to begin to follow and do the same. This is the pattern that you will begin to gravitate towards. This, again, is much easier for us to do behind a keyboard, right? When we do not see the person we're attacking or quarreling with, we can throw those sharp barbs and not see them land. Brothers and sisters, stay under control. Pay attention to the circles you're traveling in. If the people in your chat group are always arguing and having heated discussions, maybe it's not the place for you. If the people you're around have no desire to hear someone else's opinion without a snappy retort, then maybe you need to step back from them. If the people you're with are just grumbling and complaining about everything, maybe you need to broaden your circle a little bit. Words have power, and too often we pay little attention to our responsibility in the conversation. Speaking about our responsibility, the tongue may be used for gossip. Proverbs 10.18, He who conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Proverbs 16.28, A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 17.9, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Do, do you recognize what gossip does? It separates close friends. That means you, you don't have to tell everything you know. That, that means you don't have to be the one who stirs up the conflict. That means it's okay for you just to move on with your day or your month or even your year. Ask yourself, Ask yourself some questions whenever you're tempted to tell something or to tell someone else about what someone else has done or what's going on in their life. 
Ask yourself, is it true? Is it kind? Is it even necessary to share? And, and even if you answer those three questions with a yes and a yes and a yes, ask yourself, what's your motive for sharing? Your motive speaks greatly about whether it's gossip or not. Recognize that, that, that in this culture, in the culture of the church, it is really easy to gossip under the cover of prayer. It is easy to gossip under the cover of carrying a brother or sister's burdens. Right? I just want to share with you what's going on with them. Because that's how much I love them. Or is it just how much I want to tell you about what I know? Recognize that your heart is connected to your mouth. And oftentimes our intention isn't the care of a brother or sister as much as it is for us to feel good about sharing information that we know. And this slides very quickly into the fact that the tongue may be used for lying. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it actually gives us seven things that the Lord hates. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Next slide. There you go. Halty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that desires devices, wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Recognize that two of them, two of them are the same. In this list of what the Lord hates, lying. Those that have a lying tongue and those that pour out false witnesses and pour out lies. Here are the things God hates. Lying and lying. Words have power. And if our heart and our mouth are connected, recognize that your heart, being wicked and deceitful, lies. And we lie. And we often enjoy lying. Proverbs 14.25, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Proverbs 12.19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. We struggle with this, especially when it comes to just this understanding of our, our power, of what we speak, and our desire to lie. I mean, you've been told since you were a small child that lying is wrong. You shouldn't lie. You know it's wrong. You know God hates it. And, and yet we do it. We lie for a lot of reasons. But even the ones that we tell ourselves or we tell others that is to protect the feelings of someone, 
it is for the benefit of someone, we're only lying because it's easier. It makes us feel better or we're just afraid. It is too easy for us to use the power of the words that we have for our benefit. And when it comes to speaking truth and love, seasoned with salt, we often resort to just making sure we're okay in it, and we lie. And then we see that the tongue may be used to talk too much. We use words a lot. And some of us talk a lot more than others. Proverbs 10.19, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. I often tell my children, just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should. I mean, this is true for talking. Just because you're given the opportunity to speak or share doesn't necessarily mean you should or you should throw around the power of those words without taking the the care of that responsibility or recognizing what that can do. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. quickly are you speaking? Proverbs 17, 27, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Again, just because you have knowledge, those are the ones that are using words with restraint. We often think, well, I know stuff. I need to tell everybody. That's not what we see here. What we see here is in Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You've heard this before, right? If you want to look really smart, just don't say anything. I may tell my children that often too. I mean, that look, I, look where I'm at. Just smile and wave. This means that you don't always have to have an opinion about everything. You don't always have to comment on everything that goes by you in life. You don't have to make content about it. You don't have to answer every question that you think you know about. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean you need to tell people. Show some restraint. Be knowledgeable, and still hold your tongue. Be wise and silent and discerning and show grace. Being silent and listening. Being silent and observing. Being silent and patient hear me now, will provide you more opportunities to share the gospel with someone than you will ever realize. Oftentimes, we want to fill empty space with our words and we get in our own way. 
Being silent allows me to see and listen and observe and pay attention to someone. The things that you will learn about a person, a situation, or even an environment will aid you. It will benefit you in speaking into people with a trusted understanding and sincerity. Think about the people who have invested in your life. They're the people that, again, that you know what they say is true and you trust what they're going to say because they're not just running in and just filling your head with blah, 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 blah. So, so what do you do with this battle of the tongue? Make no mistake, this is not about taming your tongue. You will not tame your tongue. You will be in a battle with your tongue forever. So what do you do? How do you battle this? Well, first of all, you have to admit you have a problem. This may sound a bit silly or trivial, but if but until you admit that there's something wrong, that, that there's sin involved, you're not going to fully see the weight of this. Now, I, I can be completely honest and I can be completely transparent. I talk a lot. Like, I don't mind being up in front of people. I don't mind speaking in front of people. I, I fill a lot of empty space with words. And I do it too easily. It comes easy for me. My tongue has, has indeed gotten me into trouble with flippant comments, with witty remarks, or, or even sharp put-downs. It just comes out too quickly. It's a problem. I recognize the difficulty in fighting the tongue. But you need to admit that there is a problem. Second thing you need to do is you need to surround yourself with James chapter 1, verse 19. Memorize it. Write it. Put it on your mirror. Put it everywhere. Put it on someone's forehead so you can see it when you're talking to them. James 1, 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is, this is not new. You've, you've probably been taught this since you were in Sunday school class. This is a verse that is thrown around in my house a lot. It is written on, the, on different pieces of paper in our house, along with let no, no corrupt words come out of our mouth. Right? You've been told this too. There's two ears and one mouth for a reason. Be slow. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Brothers and sisters, be slow to take offense. If we're slow to take offense, you will notice you are slower to respond. You'll recognize, I don't need to respond. These words have power. And if we would follow this verse, if we would be huh, quicker to listen, slower to speak, how much better would our relationships be? Our workplaces some of our workplaces would get stuff done. How much would our families benefit from this? How much would our church benefit from this? 
And then like any time that we're dealing with sin, you need to seek out accountability. Find someone that is going to speak to you truth and love about the way you talk. Say to someone, listen, here, I have a problem with this. If you ever hear me saying something that sounds like something that, that a Christian shouldn't say, I need you to call me on this. I need you to be a brother or sister who's going to come to me and say, hey, I, I need you to clarify a little bit what you're saying. Or, like, dude, you should not be saying that. You need a friend like this. You need a friend that's going to tell you to stop talking. Stop grumbling. Stop lying. Stop attacking. Stop gossiping. Stop sinning. Someone that's not only going to say those words to you, but is going to stand next to you as you're trying to navigate how to stop. Not only do you need a friend like this, maybe, maybe you need to be the friend. And then lastly, we need to give it over to God. This again, I know sounds a little cliche, right? Just give it over to God. Well, hear me out. See, God created you. He gave you this gift. He gave you the ability to speak, and he gave the words we use power. And, and, and you belong to him. So your tongue belongs to him too. Maybe you need to pray and confess that you've been using your tongue for yourself. That it's been about your desires, your agenda. And it, and it hasn't really been about giving God glory or honor in any way. Maybe you need to be on your knees saying, here are my lips, Lord. Let them speak for you. Here's my mouth, Lord. Let my mouth speak the words that you want. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Think about the desires of your heart. Huh. What should be coming out of our mouths should be glory and honor to our Creator. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Brothers and sisters, the words that you speak have power, and they have power to either bring life or death, to encourage or to destroy. This is a privilege. This is a privilege that we oftentimes don't give a thought to. I don't know about you, but I've been speaking for a really long time. I don't think much about the things I say. We have a privilege to use the power of our words for death or life. I pray that we would desire to use that power to glorify God, to honor God, to speak the truth of the gospel, and to lift up his name. Father God, here is our tongues. Let it speak only for you. Let our words lift up 
and not destroy. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks and praise this morning. We're thankful that we can come together, Father, as a body, and that we can worship you. We, we recognize that um, it is too easy for us uh, to just throw words around. It is too easy for us to not, to not give the things we say much thought. Oh, but Father, would we confess this to you? Would we confess that we often say things, often respond in ways, often write things that are merely for our benefit, merely to push the things that we desire. Father, would we pause in those moments and recognize that, that you have given us this power, that it is through your kindness that we speak. It is through your kindness that we have this gift, and would we use it to praise your name? Would we use it to advance your gospel? Father, it is not a, a matter of taming what is in our mouth. Father, it is, it is like fire. It will destroy. Father, would we enter into huh, the words that we speak as we would with a battle, recognizing that it is every day. We have to be diligent and prepared Father, we need accountability. We need understanding. Father, we need grace. And we do know that this is not something that we can achieve on our own. We realize that we bring nothing to the table in this. That it is only through the power of your Son, the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, that we could even have hope in this. We're grateful for the work that you've done through your son, his life, his death, his glorious resurrection. We're grateful that we can sing praises in his name, that we can approach your throne with, with supplication and thanksgiving in his name. Father, again, these words have power. But we are grateful this morning. I'm grateful for the brothers and sisters that are here this morning. We're grateful for this place of worship. And we're grateful for your son. And Father, we pray all of these things today in his name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.